We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Chicago Bears select... Welcome to Picks for Pace, presented by the Bear Report. Your number one source for everything Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, making their way to the podium, Andrew Freeman and Usaid Koshal. Welcome into Picks for Pace, the Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by the Bear Report. Andrew's not here with me today, but I'm going to be your host for this solo episode, Usaid Koshal. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Usaid Koshal. Be sure to check out the Bear Report social media handles as well. You can follow our main account on Twitter at Bear Report, and then the Picks for Pace podcast handle at Picks for Pace on Twitter. But we all know what the story here in Chicago is. The Bears drafted Justin Fields. Matt Nagy seemingly been on every single major media outlet. Justin Fields was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. It's really been a whirlwind, and it's been an exciting thing to continue to cover. But aside from Fields, there are a number of other Ohio State prospects like Wyatt Davis, who ended up with the Minnesota Vikings. Josh Myers, who ended up in Green Bay, going to play center for the Packers in 2021. Even a guy like Sean Wade, who actually ended up with the Baltimore Ravens. Listen, the reality of the situation is Ohio State had a lot of prospects that were drafted this year. And so as we continue our little mini episode series here, one of the big things that we wanted to do for you guys, the listeners, was get someone directly on the ground in Columbus, Ohio, to come on the show, someone that's been around guys like Bears quarterback Justin Fields, really give us some great insight as to what Fields... 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. His career at Ohio State was like why he performed the way he did. And so we brought on a very special guest. We will get to the interview in just a moment here. But really, guys, it was an awesome interview. A lot of good stuff in there, not just about fields, but the other Ohio State prospects, as well as about what Ohio State's 2021 season could look like now that Fields is gone. We got some Ryan Day talk in there. So without further ado, guys, here is our interview with the lead Ohio State reporter, Dan Hope. You can follow him on Twitter at Dan underscore Hope, but enjoy the interview. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcast. Joining us now, though, on the Picks for Pace podcast, we've got a senior reporter for 11 Warriors. Dan Hope is in the house. You can follow him on Twitter at Dan underscore Hope. He covers the Ohio State Buckeyes, mostly football. Dan, what's going on? Thanks so much for being on here. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So have to get into the biggest question of all, I should say, but Justin Fields being drafted by the Bears. Obviously, this is an unprecedented move for, I think, both sides because you have the Bears. They've never had a franchise quarterback, but then you also have Ohio State who has never produced a franchise quarterback. Do you think that, like, do you think Justin Fields has what it takes to, like, take the Bears to where they need to go and also change the narrative about Ohio State quarterbacks? Yeah, a lot, a lot of pressure to put on a guy's shoulders, isn't it? To have to not only change the narrative for Buckeye quarterbacks, but also for Chicago Bears quarterbacks. But I think he does. I mean, I think he's a guy who's shown in his Ohio State career that he can handle that pressure. He's shown that he can perform on the biggest stages. So I think, you know, the thing about Justin is he's the kind of guy, you know, in his entire time at Ohio State, I never saw him as anything other than calm, cool, collected, even keeled. That's the kind of guy he is. So I think that makes him the right kind of guy for a position like that because he's just not the kind of guy who's going to get real caught up in what people are saying or what the narratives are out there. He's the kind of guy who typically just keeps his head down and works and just 
focuses on what he needs to do. And I think when you're walking into a situation like that, that's the kind of mentality that you want that quarterback to have. Yeah, he said something, I believe, and it, it was in one of his press conferences on Saturday. He's like, oh, yeah, I expect myself to be a franchise quarterback, and there's zero pressure. It just seems like what Ryan Day said as well, the head coach of Ohio State, talking about, hey, when you look at Justin, he's going to be the type of quarterback that's going to push you, but also the type of player that will put his arm around you and kind of support you when you need it the most. Yeah, I mean, definitely, he he's a guy that if you just talk to, you know, any of his teammates or coaches from last year, you know, they all talked about what kind of leader he is. And he was a guy that you could always see that people really rallied around that, you know, he was out there like he players wanted to make plays for him. Players wanted to to help him win. So, you know, that's why, like from someone from my perspective who covered him for two years at Ohio State, it was so surprising when you heard the stuff in the draft process about uh, questions about his work ethic and and stuff like that because that just didn't jive with anything that I had ever heard at Ohio State. But you know everything I always heard while he was with the Buckeyes was this is a guy who uh, is a great leader who always works hard and who you know really was universally beloved within the program. Where you know you know he's the kind of guy he's very confident in himself. He he's he's very uh, self-assured in, in who he is, but at the same time, he doesn't have that, you know, kind of outwardly like cocky vibe that, you know, might rub people the wrong way. You know, he's the kind of guy who kind of just has that quiet, quiet confidence about him where, yeah, he knows he's really good. And, you know, he believes that he's, uh, capable of doing great things, but doesn't someone who has to be in your face about it. So let's talk about the narratives that kind of really originated, I feel like, the last month and a half of the NFL draft. Because you said everything you heard at Ohio State was different. Why do you think that those narratives kind of came out? And why do you think they kind of contributed to him falling? And do you think specifically it might have been the epilepsy issues? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, first of all, it's it's one of those things where you never know exactly what to believe during NFL draft season because you never know who somebody's sources is. Sometimes that source might be somebody who's on a team who's hoping he's going to fall down the board or, you know, some something like that. So, you know, you never know really exactly what to believe, you know, in terms of, you know, those work ethic narratives that seemed like that really stemmed from, you know, something Dan Orlovsky said, and I know that he, you know, called Justin to apologize after that and admitted that, you know, the information that he got was not accurate. Uh, so, you know, I think those are those kind of things where it's like, all it takes is for one, you know, anonymous scout to say something or, you know, even just a reporter to just, you know, say something that doesn't necessarily based on any truth and it can spread like wildfire. So I think that's a lot of what happened there uh, in terms of a work ethic. Uh, in terms of the epilepsy situation, you know, that, that's something that, you know, he's dealt with since he was in high school that hasn't affected him at all on the football field. So from my view, I don't really think that had anything to do with him falling out of a top 10. You know, that was something that, you know, NFL teams knew about even before it became public. So I don't really think that had anything to do with it. I mean, I don't really know how much any of these narratives had anything to do with him falling out of a top 10. It's just, you know, he happened to be in a class of quarterbacks where there were five quarterbacks who were viewed around the league as top 15 picks. You know, I, I think in most draft classes, he would have for sure been that top three pick. He just happened to be in a draft class with three other guys and Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson and Trey Lance, who are also very highly regarded quarterback prospects. 
So let's talk about making plays because a lot of there's this narrative around the Ohio State offense. And I think anyone that's watched the Ohio State offense, especially with Justin Fields over the last two seasons, knows that it's not necessarily like this one read offense. It is this kind of it's this offense essentially it's like an NFL style offense. But why were there times you saw at Ohio State just covering the team where you maybe thought Fields was a one read quarterback or talk about that a bit? I don't think I ever thought he was a quote one read quarterback. I think, you know, certainly there were times where, you know, he, maybe he stared down a receiver. You know, I think, you know, one thing that I, I do think, you know, was something that people noticed during his career is there were, there were times where I think he would uh, hold on to the ball too long. Uh, and, you know, maybe he'd, you know, lock in on one play and he'd, and he'd just wait too long to, you know, throw the ball away or to, you know, go to a sec- second read and, you know, that might lead to a sack. But, it, I, I, you know, in terms of his ability to go through progressions, I think if you, you know, you watch, you, know, you just watch that Clemson game and there were many examples of him, you know, going to a second or third read uh, to make a play. And I think if you look throughout his career, you know, there were plenty of examples of that. So I don't think that narrative was accurate either. You know, as, as he's mentioned himself, a lot of times when he's thrown to his first read, well, it's because he had two great receivers and Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, who might be first round picks a year from now. And, you know, if, if the first read gets open, then there's no reason for him to go to his second read. So I think by the nature of the fact that he was playing on an offense where most of the time his players were more talented than the defenders they were going against. A lot of times he didn't need to go to that second and third read, which he's obviously going to need to be able to do more in the NFL. But I think there's plenty of examples that show that he's capable of doing it. So what are Bears fans getting in Justin Fields besides a quarterback who can hit nearly every throw on the field and a guy who can win in the air but also win on the ground with his legs? Yeah, I mean, no doubt. I mean, I think you're getting a guy who physically is the total package. I mean, I think, you know, from a physical tool standpoint, I don't really know what else you could want because, like you said, I mean, this is a guy who uh, he, he's he got the arm. He, he's got great accuracy, you know, and I think that's an important, you know, distinction for people to understand is, you know, yeah, this guy's a great athlete. He can run a four four forty. He can definitely do damage with his legs, but – at Ohio State, he, he was definitely a pass-first quarterback. He he passed it a lot more than he he ran it. You know, there there were not a lot of designed runs for him in the offense. So you know, while he's a guy who uh, certainly can extend plays of his legs, uh, certainly can can scramble and take off and and make a big play of his legs at times. Uh, he, he really is a, a pass-first quarterback. He's a guy who's who's gonna look to pass the ball first. You know, that's the way Ryan Day's offense is structured for a quarterback. So, you know, I think you're getting a guy who, you know, is going to, who has that pro style mentality going into the NFL. He, he's going to be able uh, to, to throw him the vertical passing game. I think that might be, you know, his biggest strength. Certainly uh, there's going to be things he's going to have to learn just going into, you know, Matt Nagy's offense, but I'm sure are going to be different from Ryan Day's offense. And, you know, like I said, I think probably the biggest adjustment for him is going to be the fact that, you know, in the NFL, your team is not going to have the same kind of talent advantage week in and week out that Ohio State usually did. So I think that's going to be where the real test comes in. But if you just look in terms of the physical package, it's all there. And then I think mentally as well, you know, he, he's a guy who Ryan Day has, has really lauded uh, for his intelligence, his ability to, to pick things up fast. And, you know, then, you know, the other thing to me 
that, you know, is probably the number one thing I always go to if Justin is you just cannot question this guy's toughness. If you look at what he did two years ago, Ryan Pace mentioned that he was at that game uh, against Michigan where he hurts his knee, comes in seven plays later, throws a perfect 30-yard touchdown to the back of the end zone to Garrett Wilson. Then you look at what he did last year in that game against Clemson where you know he, he was so sore the next day he could barely get out of bed because he took a vicious shot to his midsection, injured his hip, injured his ribs. But he stayed in that game and had the game of his life. And to me, I think that is probably the number one thing you can, you just cannot question about Justin Fields is this guy's tough. He's a gamer. He wants to be out there on the field. And, you know, you think about a guy, you know, in his position who is going to run the ball some and is probably going to take more hits uh, than maybe the traditional pocket passer. The fact that he has that toughness means he's a guy that unless he's seriously hurt, he's going to be out there playing. So I know you just dropped an article titled analyzing how each of Ohio state's NFL rookies could fit with their new teams. And in it, you kind of talk about how Matt Nagy is taking the Kansas city approach because he had Alex Smith there the year that they drafted Patrick Mahomes. Now I know it's a 17 game season starting in 2021 in the NFL. Do you think we see field sit the entire year or is he good enough to the point where he's going to push Andy Dalton for that starting job? I think he'll play this year. I really do. I mean, I think, you know, we, we've seen it so many times in the NFL where a team drafts a quarterback in the first round and they come out after the draft and they say, you know, the veteran's going to be our starting quarterback. And most of the time it just doesn't happen that way. You know, I think, you know, the thing that, you know, maybe has been forgotten about Alex Smith now is that that year where Patrick Mahomes sat on the bench, Alex Smith had the best passer rating in the NFL that year. He led the chiefs to the AFC West title. So Alex Smith played at a level where people really weren't clamoring uh, for Mahomes to play that year. But, you know, I think, you know, you know, being in Chicago, I mean, I just hear it from the bears fans out there. I think uh, they are very excited to see Justin Fields play. And I think, as soon as Andy Dalton has a bad game, uh, there's going to be a lot of calls uh, for Justin Fields to, to get on the field. So I think unless Andy Dalton really exceeds expectations as the Bears quarterback, I think it's going to be really hard for the Bears to justify keeping Fields on the bench. And obviously, that's going to depend on how Fields develops as well. And I do think that you know Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace are taking the right approach in terms of saying, we want to make sure we develop him long-term. We don't want to ruin him by, by throwing him out there before he's ready. But my feeling is knowing Justin is that he's going to show him he's ready by the end of the year. Yeah, it's going to be the inter super interesting to monitor because those of us that cover the Bears, we know for a fact that the Bears have been here before. I mean, they lied about Mike Lennon, then they drafted Mitch Trubisky, and Trubisky started five games. And I mean, they lied about Mitch being the starter, and then all of a sudden – Three games later, Nick Bowles, really two and a half games later, Nick Bowles was in. And it's going to be the same thing with Andy Dalton. It's just a matter of, and Bears fans, I feel like, are really freaking out because they're like, oh my God, Andy Dalton's going to be the starter. And I consistently said this in my articles on Bear Report. I've talked about how, hey, listen, Andy Dalton's going to be your starter in 2021. They've doubled down on it. They've made that clear. They made it clear again on Saturday night. But we don't know how long he's going to start for. But on the other side, you have Ryan Day who called I know he was on the phone with Matt Nagy, and this goes way back to 2020 because it's been very clear. Everything that's coming out of Chicago is just that Matt Nagy's had his eye on Justin Fields for well over a year now. I'd say 
about two years at this point. But when were you surprised when Ryan Day called Justin Fields a generational talent? Because that's some high praise, especially in a quarterback class that a lot of people felt like had a surefire generational talent in Trevor Lawrence. No, I was not surprised because that really is backed up everything Ryan Day has said throughout this process. That you know, it, it's clear. You know, obviously, any head coach is going to go to bat uh, for their players, but it, it's clear when when Ryan talks about Justin that it's not just lip service. That he uh, really believes, you know, that Justin is not only a special player on the field but a special person off the field. And I think that's been pretty clear from the way he's talked about Justin, you know, even going back two years ago when Justin was a sophomore after he transferred in from Georgia. So, you know, I think that's truly what Ryan Day uh, believes about Justin Fields. And I don't think he's just telling that to Matt Nagy to try to make a sales pitch. I think that's, you know, really what he believes about his quarterback. Yeah, that day, because I was sitting in the Bears presser on, I think it was Friday, Ryan Day spoke to us, and I was kind of surprised by that comment, but then I also know coaches will always go ahead and kind of lobby for their own players. But let's get kind of get away from Justin Fields here and just some general Ohio State talk, because we know we're going to have a full season starting in a couple months here. But after Justin Fields, what's next for Ryan Day as they kind of end the Ohio State program as they kind of turn the page here? Yeah, so they've had they had a three man quarterback competition uh, going this spring that's still going into the summer. Uh, C.J. Stroud, he's the guy who most people think is the front runner. He's a redshirt freshman going into his second year at Ohio State. Uh, they also have another redshirt freshman, Jack Miller, and then Kyle McCord, a, a true freshman who's a five star recruit. Uh, he he came in and he had a really good spring, so you know he might even have a shot to contend for the job. This summer. So it's going to be really interesting. Uh, None of those quarterbacks at Ohio State have ever thrown a pass uh, at at the college level. So it's going to be a a big test to see how ready uh, Ryan Day can get those guys uh, and how well Ohio State can coalesce around a a quarterback who has truly no experience going into the season. Uh, But they've got a lot of talent around the quarterback. Uh, a lot of guys who could be playing in the NFL next year, which is certainly going to help. Yeah, I think it's interesting because you look at, it's kind of like you described, I mean, looking at Ohio State right now, if you're like a quarterback, I mean, there's nothing but opportunity there. And yeah, it's going to be the biggest question mark until they find a surefire starter of between the three guys that you name. But then you also look, I mean, they have some great pieces. Like Chris Olave, I thought was surely going to declare here for the NFL in 2021, but he's coming back. Why do you think Olave returned? Well, you know, I think, you know, there were three things that he said when he uh, talked to the media this spring. Uh, One was that he wants to get a lot stronger, you know, but I think he thinks that's something that he can work on, uh, get bigger, get stronger. Uh, If he does that, he'll be more NFL ready for next season. Uh, Another being he wanted to get his degree, uh, both of his older brothers. uh, They were also college football players. They graduated from their university, so by coming back for another year, he'll have that opportunity to do that, and that's something that's important to him. And then the other thing is he just didn't want to end his career on the way it did with Ohio State getting blown out by Alabama in the national championship game. He's a guy that a year ago was really fueled by how the season ended with the loss to Clemson in the college football playoff semifinals, and I think he's got that same fuel again to want to try to make one more run uh, at a national title with Ohio State. 
Yeah, Olave's on my early watch list for 2022. I think he is going to be a first-round pick. But kind of getting back to the NFL here, I mean, I had my eyes on two other NFC North picks. I know Josh Myers got drafted to Green Bay. Wyatt Davis got drafted to the Minnesota Vikings. Talk about Myers' skill set and what Green Bay's getting with him because Bears fans are certainly monitoring what's going on in Green Bay right now. I mean, everyone in the NFL is with the Aaron Rodgers drama. Yeah, I think Josh Myers is a guy, uh, two-year starter at center for the Buckeyes, team captain last year, a lot, a guy who had a lot of respect uh, from his teammates in the Ohio State locker room, and just a guy who, to me, was a really solid, consistent player for two years. You know, he's got, you know, you look at him, he's he's, he's big for a center. He's like 6'5", 315, you know, good, good strength. Uh, technical guy, you know, not that guy that I think is necessarily going to make a lot of a flashy highlight reel pancake blocks per se, but also a guy that I never really remember having a bad game at Ohio state. Just a guy who's, who's very consistent, who's technically sound, you know, good pass blocker, good run blocker. I don't know if there's necessarily one area where he's just elite, but I think all around, he's a guy that you can count on to do his job game in and game out and a guy who I think is going to have a chance to go in there and, you know, potentially be the Packers starting center right away. And then what about his counterpart, Wyatt Davis? Yeah. Wyatt's another guy, two year starter for the Buckeyes was a two time all American, uh, you know, a, a guy who, uh, I actually think was better two years ago than he was this past year. And I think part of that was because he was battling a knee injury this past season, but Again, I mean, a guy that you look at, uh, his grandfather is actually Willie Davis, who's a Pro Football Hall of Famer uh, for the Packers, and now he's going to be going elsewhere in the NFC North playing for the Vikings. But, you know, a guy who's very powerful, uh, a guy who can, you know, definitely, you know, drive block guys off the line, knock guys down. Uh, you know, he's you know he's pretty good athlete, too, uh, for his size. You know, a guy who's really one of those guys, you know, kind of like a Justin Fields, a five-star recruit coming into high school you know, came in with all the hype and then lived up to that hype and been some at Ohio State. So he's a guy that I think, you know, whether he played only right guard at Ohio State, but I think wherever they want to put him at left guard, right guard, he's a guy who's going to be able to go in there and, and again, start pretty much from day one in Minnesota. So Sean Wade is an interesting name because a lot of people, especially last year at this time, a lot of people kind of labeled Sean Wade as being the next great Ohio State cornerback because there was, I mean, Denzel, Denzel Ward in 2018, then Okuda in 2020. And then everyone thought Sean Wade was the next guy in that pipeline. About five years ago, we had Marshawn Lattimore. Why do you think Sean Wade fell off so significantly? Yeah, well, you know, he made that transition from playing slot cornerback spot in 2019 to outside cornerback in 2020. And it, it just didn't go the, the way it was supposed to go. You know, he was a guy that I think people really did think going into the year was going to be one of the best cornerbacks in the country. And he just didn't play up to that level. And I think there were multiple reasons for that. I mean, for one, he's playing a new position. He hadn't played outside cornerback until last year. And then you have COVID-19, you have this disjointed off season. You add in the fact that he had multiple injuries last year because he had a groin surgery during the off season and then had a turf toe during the season. So he was never fully healthy. He didn't have a, a full season to ramp up at that position and, you know, just never quite looked comfortable out there. So, you know, the, I think the question is now as he goes to the Ravens is, okay, you know, was that just a product of all that stuff that happened last year? 
or is he just a guy who's really only a slot corner or only a, you know, safety. And it sounds like that's how Baltimore is going to use him. You know, I think he was great as a slot corner in 2019, but I do think that, you know, just based on the way he played last year, you're not going to know until he actually does it in the NFL, if he's capable of playing that outside position. Yeah, Wade is going to be an interesting name to monitor just because, like, here on Picks for Pace, I mean, yeah, we're specifically a Bears podcast, but we try to cover all 32 teams. And I think the Ravens are the one franchise that just consistently had success with a lot of these late-round defenders. But kind of looking at Ohio State's schedule here, I mean, what are some of the toughest games on this schedule? And I know that you guys are playing, well, the Buckeyes are playing Michigan on November 27th, which I think is Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah. I mean, that's always, you know, a big game, of course, for rivalry game at the end of the season. But, you know, I think when I look at the schedule, there's really two, uh, two game stretches that really stand out to me. The first one is at right at the start of the season at Minnesota at home versus Oregon, because again, you're going to be going into those games of a brand new starting quarterback that's unproven. You know, you'd probably love to start the season with the Akron and Tulsa game so that you can kind of warm up with that young quarterback, but you're going to go right into two games where you need to play well to win. So I think that's going to be a big test for them right off the bat going in there with a young quarterback into those games. And then you look at Penn State and Indiana in the middle of the season. Indiana, of course, you know, they had a great year last year. They played uh, Ohio State tougher than any other team during the Big Ten schedule. And then Penn State's a team that's also uh, consistently has played competitive games at the Buckeyes. So, you know, those to me, those are the two stretches of the season where it's like, okay, you know, Ohio State the way it is right now in the Big Ten, they're going to be favored to win every game in the regular season. But those are the two stretches I look at like, okay, if they're going to lose somewhere, it's probably going to be in one of those two stretches. And that's that's where they really need to be at their best. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to monitor just, I mean, because I always enjoy watching Ohio State. But last one, I think Ohio State had like, what was it, 10 guys drafted Mm -hmm. this year, something like that. I mean, I know it was in double digits. But besides Fields, which of these – prospects do you think is going to go on to have like a long NFL career? Yeah. I mean, I think two guys we didn't talk about, but you know, come to mind for me, uh, Pete Werner, who was drafted by the saints. Uh, he was the second Buckeye off the board. And I think that surprised some people because he didn't get a ton of recognition when he was at Ohio state, but it didn't surprise me because he was a guy, uh, you know, he's a really versatile guy. You can do a lot of different things. You know, he can drop back into coverage, even played some safety at Ohio state yet. You know, he's also, you know, a bigger linebacker who's good against the run. So I think he's a guy going into that New Orleans defense who I, I think is going to have a lot of success and have a very good NFL career. And then Tommy Togi is a guy. I look at him a fourth round. I thought he would be a top 100 pick. Uh, you know, he was really only a one-year starter at Ohio State, and that might have hurt him. But you know, you're talking about a guy who was one of the strongest players in his draft class. He had uh, 40 reps on the bench press at pro day. And he's also a really good athlete for his size. So I think he's a guy who has a chance to be a very good nose tackle in the NFL for a long time. And I won't be surprised if he's a fourth round steal for the Browns. Yeah. So yeah, and it was interesting because the moment he got drafted, everyone was like, Oh my God, he's staying right here in 
Ohio. But that's going to do it from us. Thanks so much for being on here. And for our listeners, you can follow Dan on Twitter at Dan underscore Hope. Check out his work on 11warriors.com. He is the senior reporter there. Some really good Ohio State football coverage that you can get pretty much any day of the week. But Dan, thanks so much for being on and looking forward to doing this again in the future. Yeah, sure thing. Thanks for having me. That was overall a really informative interview because we got a feel for not only what Ohio State could look like in 2021 now that Justin Fields is gone, but we talked so much about Justin Fields and what Bears fans should expect from hopefully their new franchise quarterback for the next 15 plus years and not just in 2021. And then some really good information about some other Ohio state prospects as well that the bears are going to see in 2021 because the bears, we know that they play the Vikings and Packers twice. They're actually slated to play the Ravens as well, which means we'll actually see Sean Wade at some point as well. But that was a great interview. So before we get out of here, I want to plug our social media handles real quick. You can follow Dan on Twitter at Dan underscore hope. Read his work for the 11 Warriors website. He covers mostly just Ohio State football. It's really good stuff. Check that out for year-round coverage. And then you can follow me on Twitter at Usaid Kosho. Follow the main podcast handle on Twitter at Picks for Pace as well. And then don't forget, guys, rate, review, subscribe us five stars on pretty much every single podcasting platform. And then we're doing more of these mini series. So be sure to check out our one with Ross Martin of you from the University of North Carolina, breaking down wide receiver Daz Newsom. Be sure to check out our interview with Matej Sis of 247 Hokie Sports website talking about running back Khalil Herbert. Lots of other really good interviews, but it has been a pleasure being your host this week, guys. I am going to get out of here, but remember, have a great rest of your week, and as always, bear down. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.